Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald. Creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Kingsley rolls to the boys, back to Kingsley. Carlson towards no, the lovely no, effort. No, 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 Kingsley magic! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Laurie, hello, hello. Halftime on Saturday, we're a goal down. Hart's tweet simply says, behind at the break, one of the responses, losing at home to bottom of the league team with 10 men. Can we get much lower response to that? Well, out of the cup and out of the top six by the second week in March is possibly much lower. It's now a distinct possibility. Still a bunch of wage thieves playing for the safest manager in British football. Why are you reading out your tweet? <laughs> Wasn't mine. 45 <laughs> minutes later, all everyone is talking about is one of the best goals, if not the best goal we've ever seen at Tynecastle. Patience, please, people. Yeah, Come on. okay. Yeah, we were shite in the first half. The manager even admitted we were shite in the first half. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but but just just come on, come on. We will we will get to that. Yeah, I think there's yeah a bit more to it than that. But we will get to Hearts <laughs> against Dundee United. <laughs> we've wildly just passed. Yes, we we we've we've been very selective there with very many things. You are you've yeah. been very selective with some extremes there. We will talk oh, I, about I, I, parts I against Dundee United. Um, probably a briefer chat than maybe normal because we are excited about two guests. So well, one one's a guest, one's a one someone who's just been bunking off basically. He's back at oh, work. Come, no, okay, like come on, we're excited <laughs> to have them both I'm, I'm i'm really excited to have them both on and they, they kind of know each other quite well don't they i mean you would hope so given they're related <laughs> <laughs> yes we're, we're going to be joined by both ryan mcgowan and our special guest dylan mcgowan we've, we've been promising this one for quite literally years now haven't we um and it's it's finally come to uh, come to fruition and uh, ahead of a game where Dylan McGowan will be facing Hearts for the first time since he's left. Yeah. And we were in the same drinking establishment together on a rare foray home mm-hmm. for me. Yep. And uh, after the game at Easter Road, we, you and I decided to to quickly go and meet Ryan McGowan. Um, and he was with his brother Dylan McGowan on Market Street. And it I think we'd all kind of forgotten that the draw, because we were watching, what was it, Arsenal-Man United? And weirdly, the draw for this round of the, the Scottish Cup was made on a Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And then suddenly someone sent someone a message or someone checked their phone. Like, oh, shit, it's Hamilton Hearts. Hamilton Hearts. 
that's the, that's Dylan's team, and then Dylan was <laughs> over. Yeah, so we were in the we were all in the same building at the one time when the draw was made that pitted Dylan's Hamilton with our Hearts. Yes, indeed, and that game is coming up next for Hearts. So we'll speak about that. We will chat to Dylan about his time with the club, uh, his time playing with Ryan, his time playing against Ryan, and whatever else might come up over the next hour or so. <laughs> You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So before we get to our chat with the McGowans, plural, uh, let's talk about Tarta Midlothian against Dundee United that took place on Saturday at mm. Tincastle. Third place hearts against bottom of the table, Dundee United. Uh, a fixture which is promised goals very much favourite fixture in recent games yes there's been plenty of goals an average of five goals per game across the previous five meetings of the sides no clean sheets for either team across those matches <laughs> as well it's certainly been an entertaining game and it didn't disappoint in that sense on Saturday two changes for Hearts Alex Cochran and Garan Cool dropped out from the defeat to Rangers and in came Alan Forrest and the returning Andy Halliday hearts with that 3-4-3 formation that they favour with Halliday coming back into the centre midfield with Snodgrass. Hill moving back into the centre of defence with Forrest coming in at right wing back and Kingsley moving to a left wing back role. Shanklin, mm. Janelli, Mackay, the, the usual or the most common attacking three we've seen from hearts in recent months. Um, big hearts day as well, which was fantastic. Lots of money raised for, for hearts official charity, which was wonderful to see. In terms of the game, Dundee United made a late change. Uh, Jamie McGrath had to withdraw. Peter Pollock came in, uh, someone who Robbie Nielsen has signed for both Dundee United and previously for MK Dons. And he was actually very lively and kind of summed up United's start to the game. They they started the match really well. Uh, Liam Fox, former Hearts player and former Hearts coach, had this 5-4-1 formation, a box midfield. And it very much was a 5-4-1 out of possession. But his game plan, I thought, was certainly in the first half was excellent. They they got into that structured formation out of possession, but they countered really quickly and very effectively when they got the bottle. They did, they did. Uh, and I can relate to the 5-4-1, having commentated on Mallorca against Real Madrid on Sunday, and that's what they deploy. But it is a rigid five at the back, and, and their midfield four is pretty tight to the, the five. And to get out, they, they go long. Dan United played a bit of football. They were slightly different, and, and I thought they were I thought they were very good. In the first half, I thought we, we allowed them um, to be pretty good. But as far as the team was concerned, I was I was pleased. It was back along kind of normal-ish lines. The, the one thing I would say, and I know we recorded last week with Jerry prior to the Rangers game, I'm very disappointed that uh, Robbie Nielsen didn't come out afterwards and, and basically with a, with a mea culpa and say, I got it wrong and, and take responsibility for a, a team selection. Um, I thought he would do that, and, and when he didn't, I thought that put a little bit extra pressure on him um, and maybe on the team as well to bounce back against Dundee United. And slow starters, they, they really were. And, and we've seen it quite a lot in, in recent years on the back of, even although most times when we've had a disappointing result, we have bounced back well afterwards. On the whole, there have been instances where that's not been possible, but the first thing you're expecting is a response after what happened um, in the midweek against against Rangers. Uh, and it was, it was back along normal lines, but we didn't get that response. 
and and we found ourselves in in trouble when uh, when defensively we, we looked all over the place and and Stephen Fletcher at the second attempt fired under Xander Clark and tell you what he's he might be getting on in years but he's still a handful isn't he. Yeah, a great game actually, Fletcher, especially in that mm-hmm. first half, three and three against Hearts. Yeah, we should mention obviously Rangers has happened since we're on, um, but two games since we're on, we're trying to focus on the Dundee United. Game. No, sure, I just wanted to make but, that point about no, about, no, but it's quite right to mention Rangers because it was yeah, it wasn't good. Enough. Yeah, Rangers was a disaster, and it's been it has been covered quite a bit, which is why we're not doing a big focus on it. But the the, the selection was all wrong. The most no frustrated one, I've seen you for a while. Yeah, I mean, I I was just baffled because when the you know I gave you guys a, a heads up that the team was meant to be a bit mental, and then I heard some of the players, and I I said I've got the fear. I I have no idea what we're playing in that game. Totally uh, wrong. And it, I don't always get it right, but when I looked, it, it transpired as you kind of thought it would play in basically no midfielders, just apart from Robert Snodgrass. It was just a disaster from start to finish. Like you say, I think one thing would have doesn't change it it doesn't rectify the result but if the manager came out and said look sorry guys i tried something i thought i'd maybe catch them out by putting all these players on maybe with the pace we thought we'd break quickly whatever but i got it wrong i'm holding my hands up but he didn't and i yeah i'm like you i'm a bit disappointed in that after the rangers game because look we and a few people said to me rangers fans after the game i spoke to said look we were we were great you know i don't think it would have mattered if you'd played well maybe however three no three no flattered hearts you know rangers could have if rangers stuck six past us at ten castle on that wednesday Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been an unfair reflection i think that was a big disappointment we didn't lay a glove on them and we were just nowhere near them um so we were hoping for a reaction from the dundee united game and yeah it didn't happen in that first half. Uh, United could have gone 2-0 up. Uh, Pollock put a ball across the box. It was Snodgrass getting caught in possession. And teams have started to, I guess, force the issue. Worked us out, haven't they? Which, is, which has out. affected us recently. But 28th minute, there is... It's a big... It's a game-changing moment. Because Ryan Edwards goes in for a challenge on Andy Halliday. Nick Walsh is a referee. Doesn't really spot it at all at the time. And I have to say... I didn't get a proper look at it. You know, the ball had kind of gone. It was a follow-through. But VAR um, for the day, Chris Graham, in his first VAR game, had a look and then told Nick Walsh to have a look. And I think when you when you hear that happening, you kind of feel, and I've said this before, when the referees, certainly in Scottish football, get sent to the monitor to review a penalty, a goal, a red card potential incident, it feels like nine times out of ten they're going to give the decision. Mm-hmm. What were your feelings on this one? Because I have mm-hmm. to confess, I'm still not 100% sure on this one. And I've seen it a lot of times, I just think it's one where it comes down to subjectiveness about the excessive foresight, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's a foul. I think it's a foul. Yes, that... I think there's no doubt it's a foul, and it's at least but he's not given a foul. He's, exactly, he's not given a foul. He's basically told them to get up. And then he's seen it again, and he's he's like, shit, I didn't even think that was a foul. And it's it's gone from not being a foul to being a a red card for using excessive force. I think it's a foul that if if it had been dealt with with a yellow card would probably have been the right decision. Now, you can look into this, and you can... Slowing something down can easily make something worse. The way I look at something like this, if if that tackle had been made by one of ours, say it's Halliday on Edwards and a red card ensues after a look at VAR, we are well pissed off. And I know they've uh, they've appealed today, 
I don't think it'll be a successful appeal. I don't think there's enough in it to suggest that the decision was wrong. But the decision not to award a free kick in the first instance was, I mean, if you've played the game or if you've watched enough games, you know it's a foul. You know the way he's gone in is a foul. Some people might say it's a red. Some people might say it's a yellow. I thought I thought it was a yellow. Um, I thought it was rash, um, reckless, which is a yellow card by the letter of the law. Using excessive force, I'd be disappointed. If I was a pro making that challenge, only he knows if he meant it or he, he, he meant to do that or whatever. I don't know. For me, it's it's a it's a foul and a yellow card. Um, but if it had been the other way around and our player had been sent off, we would have been howling. Yeah, I think that's where it gets tricky is the two lines. Yeah. Um, you know, reckless is when a player acts with disregard to the danger yep. or consequences for an opponent and must be cautioned. Which is, if you that, read that, that, out, probably, that probably sums that up, doesn't it? That challenge. It does. However, it? using excessive force is when a player exceeds the necessary use of force and endangers yeah. the safety of an opponent. Where's it must be set line? off. You could, but you can read both those sentences and of say, course yeah, you that, can. yeah, that of applies course you to can. that. So, uh, you know, it's one of those. Uh, Hearts fans will probably be listening to this and saying, what are you talking about? It's a red card. You know, and I get that. However, if you turn it around, if that's Halliday on Edwards, it's just the way it happens. It's just the way that bias happens. I think people will be probably leaning towards, oh, he's, he's a bit reckless, but I don't think it's a red card. And that's just the way it is. Football fans, are. You know, United would be the same. If it was the other way around, they'd be screaming for a red card. And they'd be saying if it was given, it was the right decision. I think the referee, that's why I think I'd be surprised if it was overturned, because I think the referee can justify his decision. It's that subjective point between reckless and excessive force. Um, but let's not, it was given, and it was. I think it was still silly from Edwards, because I think he knows, I think he deliberately leaves a little bit on Halliday. I, I, I don't... That's fair. But he's given the referee a decision to make. And he's given him, the, yeah, exactly what I was going to say. And I saw a few Dundee United comments around that thing. He still, he doesn't need to to leave, to leave his boot in like that and make the referee potentially review something. And look, it, it doesn't actually change things too much in the first half because I actually thought United still looked the more dangerous. Fletcher probably should have scored um, with that chance where the long ball came over the top. Yep. Middleton rattles the post. Yep. Uh, so at halftime, we're 1-0 down and United are still looking like their game plan's working pretty well, uh, uh, to be honest. But obviously it's now a, basically a 4-4-1, really. Um, second half, so... At half time, Stephen Humphreys come on, comes on, which helps things. Uh, Grant comes on, sixty first minute, and Cochrane and Cool come on in sixty ninth minute. And we've um, changed shape, and we've changed shape as well. And I think that's when it starts to, you know, we get the equaliser two minutes after Cochrane and Cool come on, and it, it's a really good move. Actually, we'll talk about the, um, we'll talk about the winning, well, the, the final goal, I should say, but the two goals before it are both nice goals and it kind of gets better as the game goes on, doesn't it? So Shanklin levels, um, it's Matt, Barry Mackay who clips into the box, uh, deflection on its way in and Shanklin takes it down and nestles in the bottom left corner. Um, Cochrane finishes off a brilliant move though. So Grant mm -hmm. wins it in the right back area. Uh, Garan Cool, a lovely turn and drop of the shoulder, burst of pace, which we know he has, placing Humphreys to Mackay. And Mackay, who was great, by the way, second half. We've not seen enough of that of him recently, but he was terrific. And he plays in Cochrane, who made a great run, great finish. Uh, just a wonderful goal that involved um, so many of our substitutes. So was it Grant, Cool, Humphreys, mm -hmm. and Cochrane, four of the subs involved. I thought in the first half, we had Harry Mackay, Barry's brother, who doesn't play football. And then in the second half, Barry took over and was was excellent because he was honking in the first half. And and if he'd been replaced at halftime, 
I don't think he could have had any complaints, but he was outstanding in the second half. First goal first. Civic to Kingsley. Cochran made a run, but wasn't spotted there. And it's out to Mackay on the left-hand side now. Midway inside the United half. Mackay takes on Sybil. Goes on the outside. Curls in. Flipped across the box. Shanklin chests it down. Left foot shot. It's into the bottom left corner. Lauren Shanklin with a fantastic finish on the swivel. He cups his ears to the away end. It's goal number 21 of the season. And it had to be the former United striker on the left foot. It maybe took a nick on its way through, but hearts are all square. Hearts of Midlothian won. Dundee United won. You and I have spoken about the, the VAR check on this one. I think, and this is, it gets convoluted and complicated. I think when, when the cross comes in, right, I, and I assume they've just looked at that once the ball is crossed in initially, is Shankland on or offside? I think the touch by the defender where the ball deviates in direction is a deliberate play on the ball. It's clearly a deliberate play. He, he, he knows what he's doing. And I think that then becomes another phase of the game. And therefore, there's no danger that Shanklin could even be considered offside because he's in a clear onside position at that stage. But once again, they take forever to come up with the the, the, the drawings or um, get a decision about an offside. I, I, I'll be intrigued, and I, I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of it, but I'm thinking that the touch from the defender totally negates whether or not Shanklin is onside or offside. Um, because it starts, it resets another phase of of, of play, and and Shankland is is on side. It's a good finish, a little deflection, and it gave us the momentum. And then we needed to score again pretty quickly, and we did that second goal for me. And I know all the talk has been about the third goal, and we'll speak about that in a second, quite rightly. So that continues a run since the start of this year of some super super goals for Hearts. It's the play inside, but George Grant gets set to challenge. Now looks for Garan Kuhl, spins his man well, brilliant by the young Aussie. Garan Kuhl into the United half, finds Humphreys. Humphreys to Mackay, left-hand side. Hart streaming forward. Mackay, Cochrane in the area, tight angle. Get out What a counter by Hart! And it's Alex Cochrane with the finish! A wonderful burst in the right by Garan Kuhl! Hart's worked it from right to left! And into the box went Alex Cochran. And he just rolled it across the box into the bottom right corner. It's his first of the season. He scored against United at Tincastle last season. He's done it again now. And Hearts turned this game on its head. Hearts 2, United 1. It's just, it's a great move. It's a brilliant pass from Mackay. And and that's Cochran at his best. It really yeah. is. And, and I think... Shouldn't be shouldn't be dropped just now. I mean, Stephen Kingsley. I don't know if he's still suffering or he's just he's not. It doesn't a bit look rusty, does he, Kingsley? Since his his injury against United the last game, but he, he's a great player. He has been terrible in the last few games. He's um, not. He's not been good, and he's got no. He's got very little pace, um, Kingsley. And I think Co- Cochrane is clear. Been, yeah, he's yeah. He, he's he's the clear number one choice. If you're playing wing back, like, it has to be Cochrane. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind. I mean, if you're playing Kingsley as a left centre back. Um, fine, no no problem with that. Um, but Cochrane is, is your... Le- Kingsley can't get up and down like he used to be able to do. But I still think it's important he's in the team um, if the situation is as it is right now. We've got one or two injuries because of his free kick prowess. He, he's 
I mean, he's pretty much a penalty kick from outside the box, given his ability. Uh, we haven't had it many opportunities recently when, when Kingsley's been back in the starting lineup. But I was a bit surprised to see Cochrane um, start on the bench because with Kingsley playing as a left wing back, our best left wing back is, is Alex Cochrane. That really was a super, super goal. And it did knock the stuffing out of Dundee United. And uh, they, they, they pushed forward with the, the 10 men that they had. And they had one or two moments that were a bit nervy for Hearts supporters. And then when the ball falls to Stephen Humphreys, 19 yards from his own goal, what are you thinking? Uh, well, I mean, before that, do I talk about Janelli's red card? or? Oh, yeah, that happened just before. Yeah, I've no, I've, yeah, I've got no issues with it whatsoever. He's stupid. He's, he's, he's stupid. If you're going to be booked... Now, he's, he's stupid to get the second one, right? When he's just got the first one. Don't 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 applaud. I mean, that that's it's it's a referee, Nick Walsh, that has missed a, a red card um, foul. He's not even given a foul, and now he's he wants to appear as kind of on top of. No complaints whatsoever. He's, if he's done for time wasting, don't be a dick. Don't applaud. Don't give the referee a decision to make. So yeah, I can't. No complaints whatsoever about that. You can argue about the time-wasting part. Well, if he's been done for time-wasting, why hasn't someone else? Or why wasn't their goalkeeper done for time-wasting when they were a goal up? That's all kind of he said, she said. If you're booked for time-wasting, don't be a dick and applaud the referee because that's a second yellow and that's that's his stupidity. And you know what? He might look back on that now and go, that game against Dundee United when I got sent off, I can't get my place back. Who all came in after that, played the next game. Did really well, wasn't dropped. It's the little things like that, Laurie, that you've just, it's through experience. You've just, things can turn. Josh Ginelli might struggle to get his place back in that Hearts 11 if Kuol comes in and does really well because of that stupid second yellow. What did you think about it? I understand what you're saying. Um, I think maybe uh, the referee can, can handle it slightly differently, but it's naive at best from from Ginelli once he's been shown that that yellow card um but we'll we'll move on from that because obviously the big man yeah. was was yeah but sorry before later. you get to Humphreys right the, the one thing that that does frustrate me you have an ability as a match official to add time on why are we still in a place whereby players are being booked now, this is this is pro Josh Ginelli this is the argument for him and against the referee that Mallorca Real Madrid game I did on on Sunday, the referee indicated it was eight added minutes at the end of the game, and they were at it. There were there was all sorts of stoppages. There were there was time wasting. Rather than book a player for for time wasting, he just said one more minute. I'm adding on another minute. So could he not just have done that? Would that no one would have complained? Generally, wouldn't have got a second yellow for being a dick. So there's what what way do you want to look at it? Anyway, Humphrey's goal. Yeah, at that point, I'm just thinking, take the ball at the park, keep going, take it into the corner, as Jimmy said to Toby Sibick when he picked up against yes, it. Um, I don't think anything would have um, prepared me or the rest of the fans in Tynecastle, or indeed those watching at home, for what was about to happen, which um, is quite possibly the greatest goal ever scored at Tynecastle. Even more so by the fact that now, um, most players you know what their preferred food is. Um, just yes. from watching them, 
um, because, you know, they tend to lead with it all the time. Um, with Stephen Humphreys, I, I, I feel like this has come up before, but I was never 100% on him. It was I think The only other one I could think of was Aaron Hickey, and he was basically, he didn't know his better foot. Yeah. But it came up with Humphreys before because that's, well, three or four goals he's now scored have been on his left foot. Was, is he... Well, is he two-footed? I always thought he was right-footed, but then some big moments seemed to be on his left, so I, I basically asked him on Twitter after the game, <laughs> and he did indeed say he's right-footed. Um, which only adds to the quality of this goal, Mark. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. David Beckham against well, at Selhurst Park, when he scored from inside his own hat, with borrowed boots. I think he had Charlie Adams' boots, eh, not Charlie Adam, uh, Charlie Miller's boots on that day. There's a wee um, nugget for you. Ian Murray put a tweet out. Humphreys has me and others thinking of the finest goal scored by a Hearts player at Tynecastle. Must be in this generation's top five. Glenn Snodden versus Slavia Prague free kick. Amazing. Ricardo Fuller versus Motherwell. Dribble. Brilliant goal. Ian Ferguson, free kick versus Bayern, the little tap free kick, and then the, the shot past Raymond Aumon, uh, Aumon in goal. Uh, Gary McKay against Clyde Bank, brilliant, 1985-86. Um, the one I really liked um, was, it was the first game of the season, 1991. Gary McKay plays the ball in um, from the right-hand side in front of the, the covered kind of benches, and Scott Crabb with a, an unbelievable volley um, and Andy Gorham just has no clue and then is like totally perplexed. Jose Katongo against Celtic, um, John Cahoon, a couple of them against Motherwell and, and Celtic, someone we had on a, a, a few weeks ago, Austin McCann against mm. Celtic, Paul McMullen against Kilmarnock, um, Neil McCann has got a real good um, couple of goals as well. Gary Naismith, remember him against... Aberdeen, Lee Miller against Killy, uh, Alan Johnson against Motherwell in, in 96. I'm not sure any of them get close to Stephen Humphreys. No, I mean, he's he's carrying the ball forward at pace. Incredible. Inside his own half, on his weaker foot. And it's one of the, it's it's really accurate as well. It doesn't bounce either. It, it hits the bottom corner of the net when it goes in. I, it, quite incredible, I thought. Someone's put Pavarotti music on it, Nesting Dog. And it's, <laughs> I, saw I just saw that today. I think it was done yesterday. I saw it today. And it, it's phenomenal. And it's the incredulity in your voice and, and Jimmy. No way. No way. Got to hear it again, huh? Yeah, I'll play it right now. Why not? Freeman gets a down chance here. Snodgrass with a challenge. And it breaks to Humphreys, who picks up for Hearts and carries it forward. Great play by Humphreys to break on for Hearts now. Humphreys no goes from one no way. What an incredible finish here! Stephen Humphreys on his left foot from inside his own half! Oh my word! I thought he was just going to get the ball at the park to try and play out the final few seconds, but Stephen Humphreys from what, 60, 50, 60 yards out, left footed, has lobbed Mark Nerigiti. It's perfect. Quite incredible from the hard striker. <laughs> I mean, 
I know I get a bit excited about the goals, but I, I oh, think come I'm on, you're allowed. I'm, I'm, I've got to be allowed with that one. I'm just disappointed I, I didn't manage to get in what you tweeted, which was from downtown. That's a bit, yeah, a bit, a bit I'm way Americanisms, but from way downtown. Yeah, Tynecastle, I think, is the smallest pitch in the Premier League or the Premiership. And I, I, it looks like it's about 104.5 yards by about 74 or something like that, 98 metres by 68 or something. So he's picked it up 19 yards from goal. So he's still got a hell of a way to go. So knowing that the the distance between the halfway line, the centre circle, and the circumference of the centre uh, circle is, I think, 9.1 or 9.2 metres, it works out that the shot is from around 57 and a half, 58 yards. So it's, it'll, get, it'll get longer as the years go on. But everything about it is, is perfect. It, it just the arc, the goalkeeper... There's something about it when a goalkeeper gets tangled in the net. That mm-hmm. just completes it. And Birigiti is a good goalkeeper. Um, he's not expecting that. I mean, it's just... I, I showed a couple of pals at work that when I was in at the weekend, and they're like, wow, that's world class. And th- there's a there's a bit of a concern now that because it's, it went viral and everything like that, Maloney, if he's still in charge in the summer, will be like, no, you're coming back to Wigan. Because I think he wants to stay. I, I think he loves it. He said that. He loves the changing room. He loves the teammates. He loves the people. He loves the fans. And he'll want to stay. But he's on an absolute fortune. He's on more than any Hearts players earning right now. And he's still got a year left in his contract after the summer. The other thing that concerns me is Callum Patterson's goal-scoring form right now. And they had a good win Sheffield Wednesday over Plymouth at the weekend. And Callum Patterson scored the only goal. And he's starting now because of injuries he made his name or made his way into the team. And he's staying there. So I would love Humphreys and Patterson in the Hearts squad next season. But I'm not convinced that either will be right now. Humphreys, for me, would be the... They're probably the most um, likely if they can somehow find a way to make it happen. But my concern would be that we start next season maybe without both players. What do you think? I don't know. I would be surprised if Patterson deal didn't come through at the end of the season. I hope it does. Sounds like he wants to come back up. He's, yeah. he's obviously out of contract. Slightly different. Um, than the Stephen Humphreys situation. But if uh, they go up, Laurie, if they go championship and his wages can then be... Potentially, yeah. Wages, we, we can't compete with that. No, but w- I have hopes of, of Callum Patterson. I'd, I'd probably be, I'd be pleasantly surprised if we managed both. I'd be disappointed if there was neither. Um, so I reckon. Yeah, that's fair. I reckon maybe one of them. But what? What a what a fine goal! And I mean, if, he, if oh. this is if this is his only season at Tynecastle, then he'll always be remembered for scoring. Oh, possibly the great. In fact, when we put it out there, so for next time, give us a, let us know. Uh, was that the greatest goal ever scored at Tynecastle? Um, if By not, a hard player. Let's just go or, in general. To be honest, let's just go in general. Riera um, Bordeaux, but that wasn't take, that was something yeah. special. Yeah, I suppose he's cracking that one on the volley. But um, well, let us know at Around the Funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Ah, but, but let's move on to the, the main event if we're going to stick with the Americanisms. 
Ernest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. So when we've got special guests, normally you get some lengthy preamble from me saying, oh, this is what they've done and this is how great it is to come on. We're not going to do that today because they don't know it yet. But what we're going to do today is we're going to get brother to introduce brother. So Dylan McGowan, first of all, can introduce Ryan McGowan. And then Ryan McGowan can introduce Dylan McGowan. And then we can get <laughs> into it. So Dylan McGowan, hello. How are you? And who else do we have on the podcast today? I can't believe you've just thrown this on me. Um, I'm very well, <laughs> thank you. First of all, thanks for having me. And uh, this is how he makes me introduce him at family parties and stuff as well. It's a okay. uh, former Scottish Cup winner, Scottish Cup goal scorer, Brian McGowan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, follow that, goes up. Oh, that, oh, that was better than I thought it would be. I, thought, <laughs> I started panicking there. The heart rate went up a little bit. But uh, introducing Allied United's top goal scorer. <laughs> From his previous seasons, Dylan McGowan. I think first ever defender I should have added to win top goal scorer in the A League. Allied United's Dylan McGowan. You happy enough for that? Uh, yeah, I made them not put the number of goals on the golden boot so I can just embellish it as I go on. So, the moment, <laughs> tell, 17 you goal can, season. You can tell us <laughs> how, many, how many goals was it? Uh, factually, it was six, but. Um, as as we go on a podcast now, 17, 16 with the weak foot. So, uh, <laughs> great season. So, let's talk uh, the arrival at Hearts for, of course, we've got Dylan McGowan on. So, we've, we've, we've heard about Ryan's story before, back when he first we- came on the podcast. I think so. I think so. He usually skips forward to, to 2012, but it did start back in 20, uh, 2006. Um, Dylan, you are two two years younger than uh, your brother Ryan and I believe you arrived at Tyne Castle a couple of years after can you remember much about how that came about back in around 2008? Yeah yeah I'm the two years younger it's a shame we've not got the video on otherwise we'd prove it but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was 2008 when I first first came over obviously Ryan had been uh, signed in the in the summer of 2006 I think he left and um yeah, so from then on, we sort of we were following similar paths of, in South Australia in terms of uh, representing, you know, the state teams at the national tournaments and stuff. And I think that's where Ryan first got identified. And then, you know, the two years later, I think it was the same sort of same sort of people that were there and and seen the same. I think they just thought they seen a carbon copy, which uh, we all know didn't turn out that way. But um, at the time, I think there was a few clubs <laughs> interested, and and Hearts were one of them, and. Yeah, I think for me, the chance to, to join him at a club that I'd uh, obviously known about and, and followed so closely with him being there was a chance too good to turn down. Right. Do you remember much about, about Dylan's arrival? Did you have a, a word in his ear to, to recommend the move or try and tell him that it's chaos here? It's run by a Russian madman. <laughs> no, <laughs> like I said before, it was, it was just... I didn't know any difference. So I just thought it was... Great fun, and it was going to be really difficult for him to join because, like that, we had so many players at that stage. But I just remember sort of John Murray and Darren Murray saying, oh, "I didn't know Dylan 
like you said, you know, is representing South Australia at, at like such a young age and always went on a national team tournament. And they're like, do you think he'd be interested in coming over? I was like, yeah, 100%. He'd be interested to coming over. And, and then I think they worked it out. Um, the actual the family was coming to visit me. And they're like, oh, well, if he's coming over, tell him to bring his boots and he can, he can join in with us for a couple of weeks like while he's here and, and we can see him because you know, similar to myself, he had been sort of flagging up in, in terms of young players that were doing well in, in Australia. And, yeah, he came over and, and then just ended up staying. I'm pretty sure. You didn't go back, did you, Dylan, from the... No. When, when you came um, over with the family. Yeah. So then it was, from, you know, myself, it was it was great to have somebody that um, had followed me around my whole life to follow me continually <laughs> afterwards. So it was, I'd enjoyed the two years being away, but... It was good when he finally got a got to come in and, and you know have a crack at it, and I think that's what a lot of players our age just wanted that opportunity to to get into the club. And um, you know, in hindsight, looking back, I, I felt it was really good getting in there early. You know, joining that under 19s level because you kind of get that time to to bet in without being in the limelight as such, and, and you know, work out how the club runs and how it works, and you know, just the day to day stuff without maybe coming at you know, a couple of years older as a maybe a 19, 20-year-old and, and expected to join the first team and hit the ground running. So, um, you know, from a point of view, um, from from us, it was good that, that we were able to, to sort of get in at under-19 level and, and get all our bad games out of the way before we cracked into the first team. What about numbers when you first started? Dylan, were you 74? Yeah, I took uh, the cover to 74. No one else have it. It's a surprise. <laughs> yeah, which which came with a lot of pressure. I thought at the time, <laughs> had a lot of great number seventy fours over the years, so I was honoured. Guys, so you were what sixty? What number were you? Sixty one or sixty two? I think. That's I just think. because of the the number of the number of people we had in the squad. I mean, poor Gordy, the kit man. I mean, machines were going like yeah, he used clampers. to hate it. No he, wonder. Would, he used to he was very stressed and and then even just think like if you actually think about it there's only three teams or three coaches for three different teams it was a 19s reserve and first team and then you're trying to work out 70 because you're the at that season you're the the last one in weren't you doing so there was no one there was no a 75 was there <laughs> uh, I think I think Matt Fowles on the goalkeeper was 75 I think me and him signed at the same time. And we were seventy, either seventy three and seventy four, or seventy four and seventy five. But yeah, Gogsy just ended up leaving our kit behind the the washing machine. There was no more ducats left, so <laughs> we, we got, yeah, I, I was under no illusions as to how hard it was going to be to do to the first team when my gear was behind the washing machine. To begin with. It was ever... a massive squad, but oh, um, but I mean, I'm look, you look at the players on there. I mean, the quality wasn't necessarily. There was a lot of numbers, but um, you know the quality maybe wasn't the same as when you know, when Ryan had arrived in two thousand and six. I mean, was there a thought that there might be a chance for anyone to to break in at that point? I'm just trying to think who else was around your age, Dylan, when when you were kind of in the nineteens when you first arrived. Do you remember who else was coming through with you? Yeah, I had a I had an age group of uh, Craig Thompson, um, Danny Thompson, which is uh, Jason Thompson's little brother. Uh, Conrad Balatoni um, mm-hmm. and 
I'm trying to think who else was there. Who, who was the kid? Was it Sean Mackle, an Irish lad? Yeah, he was older. He was older than me. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was an me. Irish contingent that was a little bit older than Ryan, and then in between Ryan and myself was like your know, Mark Ridges and that age group that eventually sort of stayed on Gary Glenn and and players like that 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 featured in the first team. Was there ever a scenario where you didn't know somebody's name in your squad? Uh, there's a few Lithuanians that came that they just got called their number because we weren't <laughs> one. We weren't sure what their name was, and they didn't speak English to tell us what they would like to be called. We obviously didn't really say it to their face, but as a young under 19s group, we were just a bit like what the hell are we going to call this guy? And then there's a lot of the time, there was like five or six of them that arrived at the same time. And you're just trying to work out like what position, like, you know, if you've seen their names in the press, you're like, which one's who and mm. who's what. But there was a lot like that used to come on trial. They'd be there for like two weeks or three weeks. And then they're just one day they wouldn't be there and you'd never see them again. And another two would come in. So it was, um, yeah, at that stage it was real, it was it was strange when you look back on it. We were, we were kind of lucky that we were too young to even be kind of near the reserves or the first team. So we had a pretty structured like training schedule. It was all pretty good because although there was a lot of 19s players, Darren Murray was very good at putting on sessions to involve like everybody. It was it was a kind of the year or two years above me that got caught in that limbo because they were too old for 19s and there was just too many players to even get like on the bench for the reserves. Um, what, and, what, yeah, was that, even, uh, what was that squad called, Ryan? Can you remember? The Jobby Squad. <laughs> <laughs> there was a Jobby Squad that was um, there was about twelve players or so that that like that was too old for the nineteens and, and wouldn't train with the first team or even get a game for the reserves. So they named themselves the Jobby Squad, and it used to be that um, sometimes you know with the training numbers. The first team in the reserves would put out their list and yeah, there'd be like, you know, sort of 12 senior pros they were called or they were senior pros that had professional contracts that would then sometimes have to wait around to after lunch and um, either Stevie Frail or Darren Murray would then have to take those boys for a, for a session out on the pitch just to make sure that they were, you know, ticking over and, and you know, sort of getting the training that they probably deserve. So that was probably the jobby squad went for about 18 months or two years before there was a little bit of a, a clear out and sort of everything got back to normal. But it was, um, yeah, it was pretty harsh on those boys, to be honest, when you think about it, because, you know, it was nothing to do with them. And it was just the sheer amount of players that they had signed and, and they didn't have the coaching staff to, to cover everybody, really. Ryan, you had a, a couple of, of loan deals. that um, we've, the jobby squad. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was in the jobby squad. I was in and out. I was the, the top prospect from the jobby jobby squad for for a little while. You were chief third. I signed permanently for him in the summer. There. Well, I was going to say, Dylan, you uh, you had a couple of years as well. You East Fife, um, twenty ten, twenty eleven, and then you actually went back to uh, Australia to to play for Gold Coast United. Uh, how did you find the loan spells? And did you think by that second one that? Oh, was was your you know where you're going to get a chance at Tynecastle? Uh, yeah, I, I sort of I look back quite fondly, especially on the first one. Uh, I was sort of getting more and more involved in the first team at the time. Jim Jeffries was the manager, 
and I think Ryan was out at air that season. Uh, yeah. So I was training pretty regularly because Ryan was pretty much full-time at air. And I was on the bench once or twice um, at Motherwell and Dundee United at the time. And then John Robertson got the East Fife job. And I was basically told that I'm going to East Fife to help John Robertson. There was no, <laughs> there was no like, do you want to go or for <laughs> however long. It was just, listen, Dylan, get your boots. John Robertson needs a centre-half. So I was away. And, uh, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love working under Rob. I thought he was brilliant. Um, he was great for my development. I played every week and in a league that was you know really competitive and uh and probably toughened me up that i needed at that point in time in my development so uh by the time i came back uh in the following summer i felt like i was probably ready for a little step up not ready yet for hearts but ready for a little step up and and the manager jim jeffries at the time thought so as well so i went to ireland with cowden beef who were just been promoted to the championship at the time and Gold Coast came in for me at the same time. So it was a real toss-up between Cowden Beath and Gold Coast for me that I had to, had to decide where I wanted to, to play. And uh, Gold Coast just shaded it in the end. Um, I don't know what swung it. I, I don't know what could have been. Gold Coast didn't have a, a racetrack around the outside with cars, but uh, it was just... Uh, it, I actually look back on that time and think I maybe should have tried to push at Cowden Beath or somewhere closer because obviously the management changed and then um, the financial side of things sort of uh, kicked in at hearts and obviously towards the back end of that season they get you know the the crowning moment in 2012 and you know to be on the other side of the world and not really a part of that word whereas I think if I was there I could have been not potentially a, a, a player in the first team but definitely in and around the squad which um, which I would have obviously thoroughly enjoyed but I was away playing games, and uh, the following season came back and and tried to tried to cement myself as a as a first team player at Hearts. Has your brother mentioned much about the cup final in two thousand and twelve to you, Dylan? No, I've not heard an awful lot to be no. fair. And his house is wallpapered in the in the celebration from <laughs> floor to ceiling, and uh, his hands seem to be permanently stuck in some sort of five one motion at all times, which is which is a real pain when you're out and about. But if, if you are out in Edinburgh anytime soon and I'm there, I am an expert photographer in that scenario. So <laughs> anyone that wants a 5-1 picture, I think I've taken about 8,000 now. So um, I've got to start taking small donations for, for my time. <laughs> has, any, has anyone ever come up to you and said, oh, <laughs> I, that, that goal was just brilliant and, and basically confused you for your brother and have you played along? Oh, yeah, I've dined out on it myself. I'm not going to lie to yeah, you. I was uh, just about to say that. If you didn't I've say been, that you did. there's There's been some great moments. Uh, I've had I've taken a picture of Ryan with a Hearts fan, and the guy said, how's your brother getting on to Ryan <laughs> while I'm taking the picture? I've had We've had some belters together, I think. And, um, yeah, right. I, I mean, it, it's, it is a good laugh going out, to be fair. And uh, I, I move around Edinburgh really, really slyly, which is great. You know, I'm just... <laughs> Um, I'm like incognito, and then you bring out with with the big man. It's a completely different kettle of fish. What was the celebration like? How would you rate it following the goal? Oh, I was. I thought the camera was following sleeves because he's the one that actually scored it. I think, but yeah, <laughs> I think if you steal a goal like that, you've got to at least go to somebody. But the fact he went out on his own, and uh, yeah, it's not for me that it's not. But each to their own. 
Selfish. We should skip ahead, if, uh, get past that May 2012 to 22nd of September 2012. Dundee United nil, Hart and Midlothian 3. Um, and a game which is very significant because it's uh, not only Dylan McGowan's debut, but it's the first time in 30 years that brothers would play together in a competitive match for Hearts. And, would that, um, would that be since Chris and John Roberts? Yeah, I, I was going to yeah. just confirm this with you because I'm, I'm, I, I assume it's with John and Chris Robertson because Chris Robertson played for Hearts until about 82. And I know yeah. John came in and they played together briefly. Yes. Um, so I assume it was since then. Um, do you remember much about your your first game, Dylan? I do. I do. I, I think I, I come on at left midfield, I think, at the time, which showed you how, <laughs> how versatile I was. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I came on at, at 3-0 and um, I think I got a fair bit of stick at, um, on the bus on the way home. I'm not sure if Ryan remembers it, but I was trying to get Stevo. Uh, Ryan Stevenson out to press, and I would just sit in, and I'd been in for about, I'd been on for about five minutes, and he'd been playing the whole game, and I'm telling him to push up and get back <laughs> and stuff. And I think you thought the cheek was hanging out of me, but to be fair, but um, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and that's what that's why I did the loan spells, you know, to get moments like that. And uh, yeah, I felt like I was I was slowly starting to get better and more up to speed in training, and. Um, you know, to confirm that by getting your debut was you know special, and the fact Ryan's there on the pitch as well was uh, just the icing on the cake, really. Did you enjoy playing together, Ryan? Was it? A, I know, I know, it was only a a brief spell because um, you know money would start talking and you would get your head turned by <coughs> China, um, almost by Ali McCoy's, but not quite. Did um, but the the spell that you had together playing at Hearts was it was yeah. it enjoyable? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it to be honest. Um, I was probably always more nervous for Dylan. Like when he used to come on, he used to go, you know, just you just want him to do well, and and you know, like obviously how much it, so it means to him and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was pretty nervous, but um, yeah, you know, to see a younger brother, you know, fulfill his dreams, and we'd been playing out the back in Adelaide for you know ten years, dreaming of playing professionally, and to have be able to experience that sort of almost with them and, and being there is was really special and it's you know it's moments that we still talk about now and, and look back on that it was you know not many brothers get to experience you know actually being there for you know debuts and, and being able to to see all the like the highs and lows you know remember him being sent out and loaned to East Fife and you know having gone through the same similar paths you know how hard it is to actually make it into first team and and you know, get playing and, and make a career out of it. it was was really special to be sort of part of that and play a small part of actually being on the pitch while all of that kind of happened. Not only were you on the same field together in a Hearts jersey, you've both also represented Australia. So I'm going to take you back to June 17th, 2022. And a, a tweet, Ryan McGowan, that you put out. 100 years for the Socceroos. Applause. Emoji. <laughs> 23 caps between us at Dylan McGowan, 91. Not bad for a couple of battlers from Adelaide, numbers 546 and numbers 590. Uh, 12 minutes later, response, quote tweet, Dylan McGowan, 91. Just remember, you would only have 22 without me, son. Been carrying this family for years at R. McGowan, 89. (laughs) Laughing emoji. 100 years, 622 names, and two guys who got their haircuts in the kitchen are on it. What's the chances? <laughs> <laughs> what that a sums it up, that really. Is, 
sums that sums it up to be honest. Um <laughs> yeah, that's Dylan's favourite joke for a long time when when we were out anywhere. That's that was his joke. It was be you know twenty one caps or twenty caps between us. And everyone would go, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> How many you got? He's like, I've got one. <laughs> was there any were there any moments you can think of where when you played together at Hearts that um, there was a, either a, a a brotherly fallout or um, maybe the opposite? Maybe one he had to jump in for the other when things got a bit dicey on the park. I know the mm. one he's going to say. I know it. No, I'll let you tell that story. That's a better one that you can tell it. The Chris you know what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We played We played Celtic on a night game. I think the footage is somewhere and Chris Common starts juggling the ball. I think we're about 4-0 down or something at the time. This and, is when Zal starts singing, isn't it? I'm mm. not I'm not sure. It's it's uh, it's a drop ball and Chris Cummins uh, Chris Commons instead Cummins. of just knocking it back starts does like three, four juggles and I come out of nowhere. I don't know what I'm doing, trying to like block it and get in his face. <laughs> <laughs> and he just pushes me away and then it's it's obviously November because both of us are sporting these ridiculous moustaches at the time as well. And mm-hmm. I get pushed away and you see big lanky boy who comes straight in as well behind me, trying to square up to Chris Commons. And then I think literally about 30 seconds later, the ball breaks in the middle of the park. And I think, yeah, I've got him here. I'm just going to like wipe him out. And I go shoulder to shoulder with Chris Commons and just rip my oblique in half on the side. And I'm out <laughs> for about three weeks. I don't even think he knew I was there. I've used all my might to come in and try and try and floor him, and he's I've just bounced off him and ended up out injured for about three weeks. So uh, it wasn't ideal for me. And I mean, you can talk about backup from your big brother. There was absolutely none. But <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I go in first, and then you try and come in afterwards, and you get injured because you're playing with the big boys and you're not right quite ready yet. <laughs> That's how Either I way, it. there's footage somewhere, but lo and behold, I'm the one that ends up having to try and do something. Yeah, it doesn't work out for me. Story of my life, really. But at the end of the day, at least I tried. You know, you know, you don't get any points sitting on the sideline like the big fella. So it's one of them. No, I'm no pretty goals. sure your second in is, is it? No the footage for hearts. Um, Dylan, but I've got a, I've got a match report. You spoke about a Celtic game and, and Chris Commons. Um, I've got a match report from Celtic Park in December 2013 um, when trailing yeah. to a Chris Commons goal, Dylan McGowan had a header cleared off the line by the Celtic scorer. Was that the closest you came to getting a goal for Hearts? No, I was robbed against Dundee United. Scored against Dundee United. Yeah, I remember that. I was going to say. Was that the throw? They gave a came foul. Out. Yeah, they gave a foul on the goalkeeper. Was I think the volley was... 25, 30 yards at least. Here we go. And, oh, uh, I, was, I was in section N for that. I remember you were a few yards. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. It was a throwing from um, uh, from down that corner, wasn't it? And it yeah, was to put yeah, us one up. In and I think the they gave a foul way. against Jason Holt for bullying the goalkeeper. So that tells you everything. <laughs> and uh, yeah, chalked off, chalked off. I was away celebrating and everything. It wasn't as uh, I'm not going to say it was as anywhere near as bad as Ryan's celebration, but it was. I was definitely giving it a little bit and I, I've had to rope it right back in. So, yeah, I was gutted at that. And then, yeah, Celtic cleared off the line. But I, I was I was certainly not known for my goal-scoring exploits at Hearts, that's for sure. 
I know we're, we're talking about Chris Common, Celtic and playing in the first team, but you've done a few interviews, a pair of you together um, over the years. And there was one in particular where you were talking about fighting as kids in the garden and having to be separated by mummy. Is that true? Oh, there have been many other occasions, especially when we were younger. Breaking yeah, windows, breaking fences, fighting in the garden. Yeah, well, a lot of the time it wasn't... We had a few, like, little blues, just the two of us, but a lot of the time we would together, like, joined up, and we'd, we'd obviously go around and... Um, when the, the sort of biggest highlights I remember from our younger days was when we used to go watch our dad play on a Sunday. And he was just playing like local amateurs, and then you'd go, you'd go watch the games, and it would be like all the kids of the the parents would play, and you'd play on the sidelines, and it would just be you know random kids, and it would be obviously like your dad's team and your couple of mates against this you know these random guys that we've never met before, and um, <laughs> you'd literally play for, like when the reserves kicked off because you'd get there about the reserves kicked off, and you just play for three four hours straight when you're doing. And it would just be like two jumpers as goals. And, and that was after we'd have a game on the su- Sunday morning. We'd go out and then play another four hours. We'd play on Saturday. And yeah, it was always just that's how we'd do it. And I would obviously Dylan would always be there. And we'd just be like, yeah, me and him were the, the best players for the little uh, couple of mates. There would be six or seven of us. And we'd just be bashing around. And when, like I said, we just played football constantly. And it was so good to have him as a younger brother that was interested in half decent at, at being able to play football but it was m- never so much football that we would fight about it would be if, like if we were playing cricket or tennis or something else especially probably around I don't know when Dylan when you were like 7 or 8 to probably 12 those 5 years when it was like everyone, everything was super competitive and um, didn't want to lose and Dylan was a real real bad loser so well, you, you weren't well, I'd continue. I'd mostly win, so it wouldn't be that case. And if he, Dylan did win, I'd have to. It was just to let him to make sure that he played again. You know, if I kept beating him, then he wouldn't always play with me. So I was going to say, Gowser, big Gowser, the, the the one of Ryan variety. Um, I'm going to ask you this one because Dil, it's a quote from Dylan from one of the interviews of, of both of you. Um, and Dylan's quote is talking about a time, the first time you played against each other. Can you remember? when that was, when one of you was at Hearts? Played against each other? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. No. Dylan? Hearts, he's five in a friendly. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Ryan played for 45 minutes, so we were against each other that day, you said. We've never been on opposite sides competitively other than the few thousand battles in the backyard as kids. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens when mum's not there to save his life? Dragged at half time. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there will there will be occasions uh, which we'll get to when you obviously come up against each other competitively. However, before I'll that, tell you what, my derby record's not bad over there as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, here we go. We'll, we'll, for that one. we'll get to that. Obviously, Ryan departed Heart season 2012-2013. Um, you made 22 appearances over the course of that campaign, and 2013-2014 would be quite a challenging one. And um, you know, despite the fact you're not actually 22 yet when the season starts, 
uh, first game of the campaign. I'm looking at the team that starts that season against St. Johnson and McDermott Park. And there's only, I think, two, three players, sorry, in the starting 11 who are older than you. So how did that feel? Because despite um, still being eligible for under-21 football at that point, I think, uh, you were almost one of the senior squad, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, it was... uh... Yeah, it was some season that I think in pre-season, you know, we all sort of, well, obviously towards the back end of the 2012-2013 the season, everyone knew the the financial struggles of the club and we sort of went away in the summer and I think the articles started coming up that everyone's for sale and everyone that was out of contract had left and you're starting to think, well, surely we're going to get people in and then all of a sudden there's a transfer embargo and kind of looking around being like is is this what we've got you know I was sort of hoping to play uh you know not every game but a lot more than what I played the year before you know just to progress again and and then all of a sudden you're sort of like right well I'm now like you said I think the fourth oldest in the team and you know part of trying to run a dressing room and involved in you know in the fine list and all of this sort of stuff and organizing Christmas dues and I was thinking, yeah, this is. Uh, I'm a little bit out of my depth at this moment in time, but I mean, it, it was probably um, looking back on it. I look back on it fondly, obviously, because I played so many games in in such a short space of time. But um, yeah, we're under no illusions as to how difficult that season was, both you know, on and off the field for for Hearts fans. I mean, you you started the campaign not too bad. Uh, I know we lost that game to St. Johnson, but first home game of the season, you're playing right back at this point. And uh, a nice wee assist for someone who we might see back at Tynecastle pretty shortly if if Hearts can get a deal done, Mr. Callum Patterson, in an Edinburgh derby win over Hibs as you started on your roll to, to get a better derby record than Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think... Um... <laughs> I think that was maybe my my second derby. I think I uh, I can't one hundred percent remember, but that um yeah that start to the season there was a real sort of togetherness about us. Obviously, we a lot of us had come through a, the youth set up together, and um, you know the fact that we we're all getting a chance at Hearts in front of you know full stadiums in Edinburgh derbies. I think yeah, you know, adrenaline sort of took us took us across the line in a lot of games. I don't look back fondly at playing right back. That's for sure. Um, I have Ryan to thank for that. I think everyone thought <laughs> just because I had the same last name, I could play the same position. So I was sort of shoehorned out there a lot of the time. Not taking a throw in since. I'm mentally scarred. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's one of them that at that age and at, at that size of club, you're just delighted to, you know, you play anywhere. And like Ryan said, you know, we sort of come through the 19s and the reserves and all those years. So you, you develop a real fondness for not only the the club and the supporters, but the people that work there and stuff. So, you know, to go out and get good results in, in big games like that, you know, meant the world. So, yeah, it was a it was a good day that one. What was your best position, Dylan? Well, I'm still trying to work that out, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, you don't work out by Friday. I'm going to say you're <laughs> yeah. now centre back for Hamilton, right centre back for Hamilton, and is that is that where you're happiest? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably centre half. I, I did enjoy my my spell in the midfield when I got it at, um, at Hearts. I, I think obviously the British game sort of suits um, if you're playing in midfield that you can sort of get up and about and get close to people, which which I enjoyed. But yeah, I, I mean I, I've played the majority of my career now at centre half, so 
Um, I would say I'm most comfortable there. I wouldn't say. <laughs> I don't think you can describe any position as your best, but I would say I'm most comfortable there. What's your big brother's best position, in your opinion? Um, I, I would have always said centre half. He's, I think he's been brilliant this season in, in midfield. I've seen a lot of his games. I've uh, I've watched a lot of his. Did you see I the mean, game? Then, did you see the game against Hearts? Oh, my God. No, I did. I didn't see the game. Yes, did you not see that one? Okay, too soon, Dunsar. Too soon. No, I seen the one at Tynecastle, where where the where yeah, the midfield, that one. Where yeah, the midfield that. maestro was born. I seen that one. And, Cam, Cam, uh, Cammy Devlin was in his pocket. He claims <coughs> yeah. it wouldn't be hard. Is that where you could get him in, <laughs> in any pocket? <laughs> but um, no, I, I've watched a lot of his, his games this season. I thought he's done brilliant. I mean, he sends me a lot of his games and all of his clips and how good am I here and <laughs> how, does, how does my hair look running through there and all that sort of stuff. But no, he's, he's been brilliant for St. John's. I think he talks a lot. He talks a lot of the stats. After, he phoned me after the game at McDermott Park from McDonald's at about half 11. <laughs> depressed after the game. <laughs> Boy, like, I didn't want to answer. I didn't want to answer. How are you feeling? I was like, mate, believe it or not, I've played a lot worse than that, so I'm not that bad. Yeah. It's just a game, buddy. It's just a that's game. Why he moved, that's why he moved to China, because he couldn't understand the chants and stuff and all the all the press, the bad press he was getting. He thought he'd done brilliant over there. Uh, looking back at that time, uh, Dylan, uh, you know, it was a very young team, uh, a few players coming through who, who would end up playing a few times for Hearts, you know, Sam Nicholson, Jamie Walker. Um, we mentioned Callum Patterson. Did you think back then? Look at some of these players that you know. Did the, did the likes of Callum Patterson stand out? You know that they 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 could go on and have a a really good career because obviously Hearts had no option but to throw them in. It wasn't necessarily because they were ready for first team football. We had Gary Locke on um, the podcast. We had to make that two episodes. You you probably won't be surprised to know. Uh, but he said, you know, he just didn't have a choice. He just had to put them in. There was there was no option. He said a whole bunch of them were nowhere near ready for first team football. But what else could he do? Um, did you did you see anything in a few of those boys that you thought, you know, despite what's going on and despite the fact it's more circumstances put them in that they could go on and have a a really good career? Yeah, I think I think when you when you look back, obviously at the start of the season and then the the difference in the side towards the back end of the season is. You know, it's night and day. I think you know we're taking five off Kilmarnock and stuff at home. Obviously, by that point the shackles are off and you and you've been relegated. But I think you've seen over the course of the year how much more, um, you know, how much more development went into these players with the minutes that they had and and they got better as the as the time went on. I think that went for all of us. But you know, I. I think any manager would say the same. You know, you want to bleed young players in and out when you can and, you know, take them out when things start getting hard. And there was obviously a big chunk in the middle of that season where, yeah, you know, like any young player, it's inconsistent and, you know, form dipped. And I think if you've got 15 of them, then you, you can't really control, you know, what's what's happening in terms of results. I think, you know, if you could sprinkle in Callum Patterson in and out and your Jamie Walker's in and out, then, you know, I think they would have, the team and everything would have been much better. But I think, Possibly for their development, it was maybe the best thing that ever happened. Getting those those minutes and games in their legs, and you know, you look on both of those two that I've just mentioned there have, have had really good careers, whether it's at Hearts and, and elsewhere. So, yeah, I think a lot of that team ended up going on and playing, you know, SPL level football or or abroad or whatever it is. So, 
yeah, I think there's there's two sides to the coin, obviously, as a football club. And, you know, Gary Locke would say he would love to have a lot more of experienced players in there that you can you can drip feed these young boys in. But I think from a, from a player's point of view, being one of those young players, I think, you know, getting that amount of games and that amount of exposure to first-team football at a, at a massive club like Hearts where, yeah, I don't think the pressure was the same as what it is now, but, you know, you're still... Uh, you know the best, you know, the third best supported team in the country by a mile, and and it's tough, you know, to to be in those situations and not winning games. So I think you learn, you learn quicker, and I think it helped our development in the end. Chance now for Adelaide at the set piece. Caruccio trying to make something happen. It's a good ball in. Oh, it's a great ball in. Dylan McGowan makes it two one with a great header. Gary Locke mentioned um, he had a big fear that season of um, a really embarrassing scoreline, a, a real thumping. And uh, Hearts went a very bad run. You mentioned Dylan, kind of in the middle of the season, and at the kind of at the start of it was a seven-nil home defeat to Celtic. And you know, Gary said that's what he feared might happen because of the obviously the immaturity in the team, the lack of experience in there. Um, how tough was that? period Dylan because I mean I remember obviously it was a dark time anyway to be a Hearts fan because in administration we didn't know what the future held um, a team of of youngsters I think you saw how much the the lack of experience affected the team around that time and I, I'm, I'm guessing that was maybe the feeling from within the dressing room as well because there was no option like you said to to change it up and there wasn't many players to really turn to was there no and I think that's the thing with with young well young people in general but young players I think you know, confidence can be so easily gained and lost at that age. You know, you don't have anything to fall back on in terms of, right, well, I've not played well before and I've done this and I got out of it or, you know, I've, I've played really well before, so I'm just going to keep doing this. We, you know, we're sort of learning on the job and I think when things weren't going great for us, we none of us really knew how best to get out of that funk and obviously Gary Locke was a was a young manager as well. You know, we weren't really guided in, in any real shape or form by experience anywhere at the football club. So, you know, the gaffer was brilliant with us in terms of trying to make training upbeat and, you know, getting us into a shape and stuff. But, you know, a lot of those games you're looking at and it is either individual errors or naivety that sort of costs us goals. And, yeah, I think Celtic were a good team at the time and they came and, yeah, it is an embarrassing result, and I remember sort of the dressing room afterwards and things like that. It's not a nice place to be because you know Celtics come and just sort of capitalised on on every sort of error we made. I think Lustig hits one from about thirty five yards as well, and you're starting to think, all right, it's going to be one of those days. And I ended up moving into midfield, I think, and and you were just struggling to get close to people, and it was just uh, it was a nightmare looking back and. I think, like you said, that that took a little while to get over, and I think results suffered in the meantime because of it. And yeah, over the over the winter months, I don't think we picked up many results at all. And there was a result up at uh, Ross County as well, where we were winning and lose in the last couple of minutes. And you know, little things like that were were big dents in a, in a confidence of a young team. And uh, I think you've seen towards the back end of the season once we did get our confidence going and. Yeah. Like I said, it's easily done once you're already relegated. But yeah, I think I think we put on a few good performances and and hopefully showed you know the fans and and the people that we we're paying for all season that you know that we were appreciative of the support and stuff and that 
yeah, it wasn't through a lack of effort at all. It was just more so down to, uh, you know, a lack of experience and a lack of yeah, overall quality in that moment in time. Yeah, you only lost one of the last eight of the season and obviously with Hearts coming out of administration there was a different feeling around the club uh, we've spoken to Jamie McDonald when he's been on about this we've spoken to Gary Locke about it obviously sweeping changes when the Anne Budge regime starts uh, you're one of the players who, who exits the club at that point uh, any feeling of disappointment about that you were you were still only 22 at the time did you feel like you still had something to offer uh yeah, I mean, I felt like I had something to offer, obviously, at 22 years old. Whether it was at Hearts or not, I, yeah, I wasn't sure. That's not really for me to to decide. But, yeah, I understood the direction the club were going. I think after that season and, and all the change that was happening, I think they wanted a fresh start. And I think just about everyone that was out of contract left, if I'm remembering right, that was sort of of age, Um you know, I think Jamie McDonald had an amazing season that year and they, they chose to go elsewhere. Steve-O left, Hamill left, you know, mm-hmm. Mark Bridges. You know, I think just about everyone that was out of contract um, moved on from the football club. So you understand what they're doing for a fresh start and fresh management team, fresh ownership. So you know, there, there's never any been any bad blood with me and me and Hearts at all. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there, like Ryan said earlier. The club has has played a massive role in in both our developments and gave us a chance in in European football. And for that reason alone, yeah, they'll always be be special to the pair of us. Let alone the memories we've had there. So, yeah, uh, it was obviously a it's not a nice day um, by any matter of means, but um, it's not something that I look back on with uh, any ill ill feeling towards the football club. After this, back to. Adelaide and you enjoyed quite a successful period there as uh, we've, well, we've already heard from your incredible goal scoring exploits not quite but good for a defender um, how was it being back in back in the home country and, and doing pretty well in the A-League I, I think yeah I think it was probably the right move for me at the time I think um, obviously the Hearts uh, last season wasn't, wasn't like we just spoke about wasn't ideal but I had gained a lot of experience and I thought you know, going somewhere else, I would be able to, you know, I went there and immediately I wasn't the fourth oldest player. So there was that off my off my chest. So <laughs> I felt I could be a relatively young player again and, and sort of grow into a squad. And I think with the experience I gained, I sort of, um, ex- uh, you know, surprised a few people and it exceeded the sort of expectation of what a 22-year-old centre-half should be doing and the mistakes that they thought I was going to make were sort of had been and gone already, which was, which is important that I learned at Hearts, and I think at that time the A League was was a was a good league in terms of being a young player and, and moving forward. So, yeah, I enjoyed three years being in my hometown club and and doing well there is, is obviously special as well. So there was the the added bonus of that. So, I think it was a good move for me, and I, I did enjoy my time there. Ryan, let's talk about the summer of twenty nineteen. We'll skip ahead. You know, Dylan had um uh, a couple of brief spells elsewhere, but. 2019, both Ryan and Dylan end up in Sydney, but not at the same club. That kind of all happened at the same time, didn't it, Dylan? If my memory is correct. I'm pretty sure. That's, that's why it's just looking... summer of 2019, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I meant as in we'd both been getting like offers here, there and everywhere. And I'm pretty sure I, I called Dylan to say, oh, I think... Um, I might be going to Sydney. They've 
putting an offer for me and he's like, oh, I was actually going to call you today because I think Western Sydney have put in an offer for me and I might be going there. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of strange how that worked out. And, yeah, it was really good good time then that first first season, especially before sort of COVID hit, was, was really good. Um, you know, the league was good. Dylan went to Western Sydney and they're they're a big club in, in Australia and, and they got off to a good start and yeah, I really enjoyed my time there and being able to live in the same city as Dylan again was was pretty nice after like I said, once I sort of left to go to China and then Dylan left to go to Adelaide and we we're sort of here there and everywhere sort of through that next five or six years it was good to sort of get back and, and be close to get to each other again and um it was a really good time. From the various interviews, there seems to be a lot of PlayStation and a lot of golf. Who's best at either of them? Dylan's better at golf. There we go. I knew he was going to say that. Dylan's better at golf. I'm probably better at PlayStation. Be I mean, which, which one would you want to be better at, though, Joe? Like, as a fully grown man, <laughs> does anyone take <laughs> any pride in being, I'm better at PlayStation? <laughs> you know, like, you've got to have a right look at yourself if that's... <laughs> How you're going about your life at 33 years old. I'm better at PlayStation than my brother. I mean, have a word. <laughs> well, on, on on that note, what, what was the we've, we've heard about you playing together? Um, what was the what was the rivalry like between the two of you then? Because you'll come up against each other in the um, Western uh, Western City Wonders against Sydney Derby matches. Obviously, naturally, Dylan comes out on top of these overall. Um, was it a was it a good bit of Good bit of rivalry between the two of you, Dylan. I mean, not really. Obviously, like you said, I'm just coming out on top. You know, I'm just focusing on me getting there, winning games of football, and, and going. <laughs> I don't know how I've got this derby record, but you best believe I'm dining out on it every time I can. <laughs> I remember. He thinks I dine out on the five-one. I've never known someone to dine out on as much as. I think they finished like eighth in the league, and they won three games, and the three games were against us, and that's all he talks about. Even during the games, we could never get anywhere near it, obviously, because we both play centre-half. It's annoying because you're on the bloody other end of the pitch. There was only a couple of steps. We head-butted each other at one point. Deliberately? Um, <laughs> I mean, the, vid- the video's out there. It's, you've head-butted me. VAR yeah. sending off? I've won the ball and he's head-butted me. So there's no head-butted each other. He's just trying to make himself feel better there. <laughs> Like yeah, you know, to... embellishing it. There's not much uh, defense coming back must... from you here, right? No, yeah, because I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure he's. I remember thinking I'm scoring here, and then his big boulder head just got right in the way and cleared it off and just smacked into him. And then we both had to go off, remember? <laughs> Mum was, was sitting in the stands, stressing out, sweating. Well, my boys, my boys, look each other out. Um, but yeah, he won. Oh, he won three, didn't you? Or two? No, you won three. We drew one, and I won one. I think is that right? Uh, which one, one did you win? Oh, the one. That the one, the one, the one at yeah. SCG. Uh, yeah. Dylan, Dylan won the first two. Uh, there was a one nil Western Sydney win October twenty nineteen. Then it was a one nil away win for Western Sydney February. Uh, Ryan was on the bench for a one one draw in january 21 but then finally um ryan eventually managed to to get something on the board with a 1-0 win for sydney fc in may 21 both 
both were playing yeah. in that game. Yeah, I remember that. So Dylan, Dylan, Dylan got the edge though. But you've, but you've, but you've always got the PlayStation, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, that, yeah. listen to that. Yeah. Oh, but if we played Call of Duty, I'd win. Like, it's not real life. Like, <laughs> uh, you're back. You're back in Scotland now, though, Dylan. Um, you you joined uh, Kamarnik originally. Uh, like Ryan, were you were you pleased to be back on these shores? Obviously, lots of good experience in different countries. But were you pleased to to get back here? Yeah, I was. I was. I still had a year left at, at Western Sydney, but I, I wanted to come back. I, I'd sort of missed. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure if you've spoken about it much on the podcast, but the the football dressing rooms and the football over here is is, is special. I know what everyone says, and you know, it's sometimes not the best product to watch because of the conditions or whatever it is, and you know, sometimes it's not the best to play in either. But um, it is something special about the atmosphere that the Scottish football creates and. Yeah, I, I had missed that having played in you know a few different countries. It was never quite the same, and you know to get the option to come back at, to Kilmarnock, I liked the the project that it was at the time with it being in the championship. And you know, I had a few conversations with Tommy Wright before I came over, and it just ticked a lot of boxes. So uh, yeah, I was I was thrilled to get it done, and and you know delighted to be back. And Ryan definitely couldn't play for the teams you've been playing for because that's all plastic pitches, isn't it? His legs when they be able to handle that. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I seem to be drawn towards a plastic pitch at the moment, which um, which I think is just shaving years off my career. Which the fans of all the clubs I'm playing for will be absolutely delighted. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but if, um, if we I'm fast forward happy. though to the to the move, which obviously only just happened the last month. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're we're having a laugh and a joke, but you know, they are, you know, Aki's our bottom of the championship, unbeaten in a five-game spell in all competitions at the time of recording. I should say you do have a game against Queen of the South tomorrow, um, so things might change then. But um, five appearances for Aki's, and you're unbeaten in four of them, and you've had three clean sheets. So you're, yeah, like Ryan says, are you the saviour of Aki's? Uh, oh, no, I wouldn't go that far, no. But I'm enjoying. Yeah, I say that privately, but not publicly. But uh, I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying being back playing. Um, obviously, towards the back end of Michael Manixton, it's not worked out the way I've wanted it to. So, you know, to be back playing and um, yeah, I had I had a a little bit of time in the leading up to the January window where I wasn't 100 percent sure what I was going to do and. And where I was going to go, and then yeah, after a few phone calls with uh, John Rankin, obviously Ryan knows him well from from Dundee United, um, getting them relegated. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, oh yes, no, I am. Um, I, I like what he had to say, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to spend six months, I want to spend it six months playing, and and you know, see what we can do there. And you know, there's there's still a lot of work to be done if we're going to get out the get out the mess, but. Yeah, fingers. You know, Ryan's gonna hold that against you now if you don't get them out of it. Yeah, but Ryan's not allowed to step foot back in Dundee, obviously, because he's put both of them down. So he can't can't go near it. But um, yeah, he's also that speeding to get ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) He's going for the trifecta of that area now. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's 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 a good mention from Mark there. You got Connor Smith on loan. A lot of Hearts fans have liked the look of 
with Connor. He's obviously had a few games this season as well, played a few of the European games also. How is he doing at the moment? Yeah, I, I share I share a car with him in the morning. Me and him take turns driving in. So he scored a scored a beauty on the weekend. Scores an absolute rocket from uh from about twenty five yards to to kick us off against Dundee. So that was his first game at home. He came on the week before against Partick Thistle. Played forty five minutes and done really well. So uh, I'd watched him before. I was at the one of the European games earlier on in the season and and was impressed with him. So. Yeah, when I when I seen that we signed him, I thought, yeah, he'll definitely help us. And like I said about my loan spells, it, it's about him getting experience in first team football and and you know coming to Hamilton in this moment in time. Every game matters. You know, we're not going to be playing any games that that don't count for anything. So I think he'll get the experience of you know playing in pressure games of trying to keep a club up, which hopefully he won't ever experience at Hearts. But yeah, it will be a it will be a case of him being prepared for high-pressure games, you know, going forward in his career. Part of the the deal to take him on loan to Hamilton, he cannot play on Friday night against his his parent club, so Hearts are going to need help from somewhere else. They had help from Ryan McGowan against St Johnston. Are we getting help from Dylan McGowan <laughs> this Friday? <laughs> I mean, unwillingly, uh, I'd like to add, <laughs> but yeah, there's every chance. There's every chance. No, but uh, it's the first time I'm going to be playing against Hearts since I left so I'm I'm looking forward to it I'm uh I'm excited for the game obviously for for Hamilton to be in this round and to to draw a team like Hearts is, is financially good for the club and yeah the fact that it's on telly and stuff I think is going to help us try and bring in a few more players so I mean that that's the main thing is trying to trying to escape relegation in the championship but yeah when Friday night rolls around we'll uh, we'll certainly look to enjoy ourselves and and hopefully put on a good account You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald's Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. We're just about at the end of this episode with the McGowan brothers joining mm. us for the first time. Um, but I know that when they joined, when they first played for Hearts, Mark, it was the first time in 30 years brothers had played for Hearts. It was the first Hearts podcast ever. Oh, brothers on who played for Hearts as well. I don't know where I'm going with that. Records, that was a aren't we, uh? record breaker. Yeah. <laughs> we've been we've been talking briefly about the, the game coming on Friday, so obviously Dylan McGowan should be involved um against Hart Midlothian. In the meantime, Hamilton do have a game against Queen of the South in the semi final of the Challenge Cup or whatever the sponsor's name is just now. I do apologize. I, I'm not aware of it at the moment. Jobby Cup. Um, the, since the since it was a pet fact training cup and Robbie Nielsen played the under twelves, I'm not sure what it's called. I hope uh, he plays the under twelves on Friday night as well. Be uh, well, well, hey, you're well, gonna Mark, you're gonna be up against Stephen Humphreys, by the way, Dylan. Yeah, so, Shanklin's anywhere, any, Yep, anywhere within sixty yards, you better watch yourself, pal. If I'm sixty yards from my own goal on Friday night, we must be doing something right. So <laughs> don't worry about that. I'll be deep enough to have the goalkeeper gloves on with full. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, it's a it's a game where Hearts will be heavy favourites. Um, in terms of being third in the league, comfortably dispatching Hibs in the previous round. Aki's obviously league position wise, bottom of the championship just now. But it's a game where Aki's will come at this with nothing to lose. And oh. um, the way Hearts have played recently, you know, you've got to make sure that we're not on the end of a cup upset. 
No, this is about patience. And look, if Darvo can beat Aberdeen, anything's possible in a in a cup competition. I'm looking at Hamilton's results. Dylan can back me up on this. They're in form right now. That was an excellent draw against High Flying Dundee. They won at Partick. They beat Ross County on penalties in the last round. Uh, wins over Morton and and Clyde. So yeah, they're they're going pretty well. Haven't lost. Um, at home since uh, the turn of the year uh, against Wraith Rovers. So, yeah, like, D- Dylan knows more about Hamilton than we are. There's no point in us trying to assess what, what Hamilton are going to bring to the table. They know they're not going to have that much of the ball. Um, however, if they can keep it tight, if they can keep it nil-nil for, for a spell, Dylan, then that's if you don't concede an early goal, you, you're, you must be thinking you've got a chance in this one. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's obviously cup football, so there's a there's a chance for us uh, that we're like I said before, we're looking forward to to the game. I think there's there's nothing for us to lose. It's it's not a free hit, but it's as close as you're going to get. And I think um, you know we'll come into the game hopefully off the back of a of another strong performance and a good result on tomorrow night. And yeah, we'll be uh. We'll be we'll be right up for it. I think Hearts are bringing a, a big crowd as they always do, and the game live on the telly will be. Uh, yeah, hopefully we can make a good contest of a, of it and uh, give a good account of ourselves. Personally, as someone who's going up against uh, an opponent with a lot of pace, Garang Kool, he's likely to to be involved. Whether it's from the start, we don't know. We certainly hope so. Um, how do you deal with someone who's as quick as your brother and absolutely rapid um, as a centre back? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, um, I was actually going to give that question a lot of thought there, and then you you said Ryan, I've lost my head. But <laughs> no, I think uh, I think yeah, you know, there's always I think as a as a centre half, you're always going to come up against a striker that's got a little bit of pace. Where whereas if he doesn't start or comes on later in the game, I think our whole game plan will be to be compact and to be hard to break down. So hopefully that sort of. Uh, Counters counters the heart's pace and the athleticism that they do have, which we know is a which is a threat. And you know, they're they're an excellent side, so we're going to have to be right at our game and and you know come up with a game plan that tries to you know nullify their attack as best as possible and still gives us a a puncher's chance at, at the other end. Ryan, you've you've come up against Hearts this season. If Dylan asks you, what do you recommend? Where where can they be got? Who who do who do I wind up? Who do I watch out for? Who's the dangerous players? Where, what are you telling them? Mm, keep your hands by your side so you don't give away penalties to start with. <laughs> <laughs> there will be, be VAR sh- on Friday night. Don't show Barry McKayan on his right foot. Yeah. Tell your other centre-backs and your centre-midfielders to press Barry when he cuts inside and don't leave you stranded 1v1. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Hearts played really well that first 30 or 5 minutes they against us. Park. Yeah, they did. They played really that's probably the best I've seen them this season. It all kind of clicked for them at that time. So, you know, from our point of view, we were disappointed with those 30 minutes. We probably should have just tried to stay a bit tighter, but after that it was a pretty even match. They've just got match winners. That's the difference. That's why they're the third in the league. They've got players that can can score goals and and change moments, which is what every team basically in the world want and um, hearts are lucky enough that they've got a fair few of them that you know on their day can produce a little bit of something special to get a goal. But um, like you said, I think Hamilton they're going into it confident. You know they're on a good run, and and sometimes you know these types of games are ones that that can you know be a bit of a slip up. Hearts won't be looking forward to going there 
Um, like you said, it's a plastic pitch. A lot of the players would have never played at Hamilton before. Um, so, you know, from a Hamilton point of view, that's something that they should try and get onto is, is trying to get the Hearts fans to to get a little bit restless, to get a little bit nervous and get on the players' backs and, and see if they can sneak something and, and give them something to hold on to, whether that be a nil-nil gone into the last 20 minutes or, or scoring early and, and trying to defend the lead. That, that's sort of something that, that Ranks will be looking at, you know, leading into this week after the game tomorrow night. And, um, yeah, I think it's a real banana skin, if I'm being honest, for, for Hearts and a real opportunity for Hamilton to to go on you know they caused Ross County a lot of problems who are a decent enough you know Premier League side and an experienced side in you know handling those sort of situations you very rarely see Ross County kind of slip up they're normally a good experienced group so that's a bit of a warning sign for Hearts to know that if they're not playing well or if if they're not right up for it then um, they could be in for a shock well obviously right Mark we hope we're going to be looking at our hearts. When do you want to make our prediction? We've not been very good recently. You know, hearts. Cool to get his first goal for the club. Okay. Do we do we put Dylan on the spot and ask yeah, for a prediction? Of yeah, of course. <laughs> you, you have to. It's, you come on this podcast, you've got to give up a, a prediction for the next game. Well, there you go, Dylan. We, we make a, a score prediction and we pick a goal scorer as well. What do you reckon? 1-1 one, one, Hamilton on penalties. Would you take one? Would I take one one? No. Would you take a penalty? Would you? Would you want to take a penalty? One last round. Yeah, I took one last round. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But this is against Hearts, and you're the secret agent for us. (laughs) Yeah. 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 To show you how much I don't like this podcast, and rifle it right in the top (laughs) (laughs) ten. We had guys. Do you remember the conversation we had? If you scored against Hearts, what would you do? And you wanted to ram it up, done sir, so to speak, and give it the whole the microphone celebration and point to the commentary, yeah, right, yeah. point up to the commentary box, and give it the wanker sign. Get it up, your mate. Uh, would you? I'd would look. you celebrate against Hearts, Ryan? Here you go. Nah, I don't think I would. But then I also don't trust myself. If it was a last minute winner, what I'd do. But I'd like to think that I wouldn't. I'd like to think that I wouldn't. But I also think that if I did lose my head, Hearts fans would be like, oh, yeah, like that's kind of understandable. He's never been one for <laughs> we've, we've seen him before. Yeah. If you if you're celebrating with your with your own fans, I don't think I, I don't I don't, well, I don't that, that's only it. one section of the main stand because all the other sections of the stands <laughs> at McDermott Park have been given up to the away team. That's true. I, That's I true. don't think it will be any different at Hamilton, to be fair. So, <laughs> Ryan, what do you reckon for the Aki's Hearts game on Friday? Um, I think it will be close. I imagine it will be close. Uh, I would go 2-1 Hearts. Dylan McGowan scoring for both teams. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You thought he was going to be nice there for a second, didn't you? And then, boom. The only nice. player who ever celebrates and scoring an own goal. They yeah. <laughs> slide with all the Aussie foes. <laughs> Three one heart, Stephen Humphreys. Oh, it's gonna yeah. lead lead the line with Shanklin suspended and it'll probably from be inside a bit... the box or from outside the half. Inside it probably inside um the opposition half this time. But, would um... uh would you DM him again, Laurie, if he scored? <laughs> yeah, why not? Because Get him on the podcast. <laughs> 
you've, you've admitted to sliding into his DMs earlier. I'm not sure if it was getting recorded at the time, but yeah, I'll um I'll, I'll slide in the DMs and see if he, <laughs> if he wants to come in and um and I'll I'll ask him if he can buy a proper pair of shin guards as well. <laughs> <laughs> if I, like I had that, if yeah. I had quad shoe sure. size, I'd get them out as well. To be fair, so fair play <laughs> to him. Well, there we go. Hopefully, um, three of the predictions are are the are the accurate ones for the game of friday it's been a pleasure having you on dylan thanks for coming on and and putting up with your brother oh thanks very much for having me this is the first time i've uh i've been allowed on he normally doesn't let me out in public when it comes to heart stuff so i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate get my name out there and that yeah so thank you for having me guys thanks thank for coming you, on buddy for... <laughs> there it is look <laughs> And thank you, Ryan, for coming on from your from your um, deeply serious injury, which is obviously keeping you out of action. Unless you need to play football in the garden or go to a wedding. <clears throat> yes. Well, yes. I have. I'll hopefully be back sooner than the expected twelve weeks. Next time you play Hibs, no doubt. Yes. Yeah, I, I did mention that to a few people. So from when I got injured. 12 weeks and two days as we play Hibs last game before the split. So that's my little target is to get backish fit for uh, for that game. So that's a good little target for me to get. And then hopefully we're, we're top six, which would mean another time castle visit, which would be nice. And the battle that's for European places. Yeah. Okay. Well, fingers that's crossed. Thank you for, for joining. Uh, thank you for listening. For all those at home, you can tweet us at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. But until next time, goodbye. Hey, brother, do you still believe in one another? Hey, sister, do you still believe in love? I wonder.